Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Welcome back to the May 30th, 2018 Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club coming to you from St. Vincent's Hospital in Sydney, Australia. My name is Damien Marici. I'm here with Dr. Daniel Yang. And we're now looking at our very first PRS Global Open Paper, which we've reviewed as part of this um, journal club. This is from way back in January 2018. Incisional negative pressure wound therapy for prevention of wound healing complications following reduction of mammoplasty. This is by Galliano et al., and um, this was a multi-centre, multinational study. Um, okay, so, Daniel, what was this paper about in a nutshell? So this paper uh, was a randomised bilateral breast surgery study looking at the effects of the PICO negative pressure wound incision line dressing um, on wound complications and, and overall healing as opposed to the standard of care type dressings. But right off the bat, there's obviously conflicts of interest here. I think all of the authors are in some way affiliated with Smith and Nephew. That's something to keep in mind. But uh, it was a randomised controlled trial, as you said, across um, six different sites across three, four different countries, actually. Um, they included anyone over 18 years of age undergoing an elective bilateral reduction mammoplasty, um, and they had to have a similar length of post-surgical wound length. Yeah. Exclusions, pregnant ladies, lactating ladies, you know, steroids and drugs that affect healing, other skin conditions and heavy scarring issues in the past, as well as anyone obviously allergic to the components in the PICO product. Uh, the t- t- technique they used was to apply a PICO dressing to a randomised unilateral breast within the same patient, either left or right. Um, Randomisation done by a central website, obviously you couldn't blind anyone in this sort of study because hmm. it's quite obvious which side has a PICO dressing and a machine attached to it. Um, the contralateral side then received standard of care dressings, which could vary depending on the surgeon and the different centres, but recommended dressing were steri-strips and, and gauze. Um, however, investigators, investigators could use other dressings, like non-adherent dressings. There was um, some variability of surgeons performing procedures and how much of the procedures. Some, some surgeons did one side and closed one side while their attending surgeon did the other side, so on and so forth, so not much consistency there. Um, Treatment commenced at the closure of the wound and the PICO dressing could be left up to about 14 days. Uh, they recommended cessation at day 14 and changing to normal dressings if the wound was still not healed. Primary outcomes they were looking at were to assess whether the incision de- developed a healing complication within 21 days of surgery um, for both the uh, PICO dressing and the standard of care dressing. Um, healing complications uh, were defined as infections, deep or superficial dehiscence, which was again divided into superficial, partial and deep, and delayed wound healing, which they initially defined as healing um, not complete by day seven post-op. Uh, secondary outcomes were looking at the numbers and the types of different complications at uh, 21, 42 and 90 days post-op. Uh, results uh, were quite interesting. There were out of the um, PICO group, 56.8% of patients developed a wound healing complication by their definition within 21 days. 61.8% of the standard care group had a wound healing complication, and this was statistically significant. 
Um, Which is surprising because it doesn't seem that big a difference. I mean, 56.8 versus 61.8. I mean, it's a 5% difference. It's not a big difference. No. And it's higher than the general literature. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Which... Proceed. Which concerned them, obviously. And I think they then went on to do further analysis and sensitivity analysis and eventually changed the definition of delayed healing um, from 7 to 10 days. And that way they could catch 100% of patients... Yes. At their first review. Um, with this new definition, the complication rates for the PICO dressing came down to 39.7 and the standard of care 44.7%. Um, significant reduction in wound dehiscence was seen with the PICO dressing. Um, uh, 16.2% of patients with the PICO dressing um, had a dehiscence of some sort, and 24.6% of the standard of care group developed dehiscence. And then they did a subgroup analysis of this dehiscence um, complication and, and the statistical significance lay within the superficial and partial dehiscence groups. Uh, overall, I think the strengths of this study was that there was a, a good pre-recruitment sample size calculation, there was intrapatient randomization, it was multi-center, and they had a statistically significant primary outcome, which is always good. Um, some problems, there was no blinding uh, for obvious reasons, which was already discussed. There was some inconsistency in the technique because of the variability of the surgeons involved at various stages of the procedure. Um, there was some conflicts of interest and there was a centre that I think unvariably, invariably used the PICO for 14 days straight for all their patients. Um, there was uh, some interesting discussion from this uh, paper regarding BMI um, and how patients with a higher BMI, so in the greater than 30 group, or patients who had a resection of greater than 500 grams were more at risk of developing wound complications. Yeah. And I personally would have liked to have seen that broken down in more detail and yeah. more subgroup analysis in this type of paper. Yeah. Um, another thing that came up from our journal club discussion was that there was no cost-benefit analysis done, which I... Yeah, I think that would have been interesting yeah. to see. And certainly, you would imagine it would be very doable because they can calculate how many patients you need to treat in order to uh, sort of break even, as it were. Because yeah. uh, obviously there is uh, an expense associated with the PICO as opposed to just using serious strips or, or standard dressings. Um, and, and the other thing to say is, of course, the, uh, the paper was fully funded and uh, the fees are paid for by uh, the company that manufactures uh, the PICO. Uh, including some of the co-authors on the uh, on the manuscript itself. Yeah. Um, in in terms of the actual design of it, I I completely understand obviously that you can't randomise or you can't blind the assessors at the seven day mark. But I don't understand why they couldn't have done a blinded assessment once in terms of scar goes. quality. Yeah, once yeah. the peak goes off at the at the uh, I think they did a thirty and a ninety day mark. Forty Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why they couldn't. Um, have a blinded assessor at that point because um, I think that would just add just a little bit of um, uh, a further scientific robustness, especially given the concerns that you've got paid employees, uh, uh, you know, speakers uh, on behalf of the company uh, doing the research. Having said that, though, I mean, you know, you've got to assume intellectual honesty and uh, the data doesn't lie, and there certainly does seem to be an improvement, although I was surprised by uh, their. Uh, high complication rate yes. uh, for both PICO and standard care. But it may be just that uh, that is actually the truth, but um, when you're out there in your busy practice, you sort of tend to gloss over minor wound healing problems to just sort of reassure the patient that uh, that'll get better. Whereas if you're looking at it with a cold, hard scientific eye, I'll say, no, 
that is a dehist wound and I'm going to write it down as being a dehist wound. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.